Welcome to the Sheepdog Wife Podcast. This is your host. Let's have a conversation. Hello, ladies. Welcome to week nine of a Police Wife Bible Study hosted by the Sheepdog Wife Podcast. This week's chapter and topic in our book by Melissa Humes is on quote-unquote single parenting. Now, I know that there are a lot of moms who are genuinely every moment of every day functioning in the single parent lifestyle. Um, and my heart goes out to all of them and sent, I send kudos out to all of them because it is not easy, right? We know that just from the glimpses through the window, so to speak, that we have living this lifestyle with our husbands, our children's father, um, out at all hours of the day, working crazy amounts of overtime in stressful situations, feeling like we're dealing with all of the day in, day out monotonous situations with our kiddos on our own. So, and that's our topic for this week. We are in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7 for this particular study topic. Um, and this is really, I was I was excited when I opened up this chapter and saw that we were going to be back in the Old Testament, spend some time in the New Testament. Um, but the last time that we were in one of the Kings, I really got a lot out of the study. So when I saw that we were in 2 Kings, I thought, ooh, this is going to be good. Um, now for this particular, for this week, um, it is just going to be me. I'm sure you noticed that uh, you were not hearing Sabrina's lovely voice today, um, but she and her family are on a much needed vacation. And I know that we all very much enjoy and treasure the time that we're able to get with our law enforcement officers. So we are giving her the week off and telling her to have an absolutely wonderful time because they have earned it. Um, and it's always good for our families to get that time to bond together. So uh, back to the topic at hand. Um, like I said, we are in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. Um, and this is the story of Elisha and the widow and the oil, right? Um, so overall summation of this particular story in the Old Testament, um, you know, we have a woman whose husband has died. She has a child. Um, she's struggling to take care of her family. And so she goes to Elisha. So I'm going to just go ahead and read straight out of my um, my good old ESV journaling Bible that I've had for many moons. Um, if you could see it, you would probably chuckle because it, it looks like it's been through the ringer a little bit, but I digress. Um, 2 Kings 4, 1-7 through seven. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. 
and when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Now, Melissa has quite a few um, excellent questions. She's got a few excellent questions that um, she has to facilitate studying this particular passage in scripture. Um, so some things that just jumped out to me as I was going through her questions um, was that, you know, the widow was in debt, which while we all try our best to stay out of debt situations, um, I think it's pretty common that everybody has some form of debt or another, even if you're someone who um, only is dealing with a mortgage payment at this point. That's still a form of debt. Um, and, you know, life insurance is not something that was necessarily around in biblical times, at least not in the way that it is now. I'm thankful that um, my husband and I do have life insurance squared away. Um, if something were Lord forbid to happen to either one of us, we would, we would be able to get our debts paid off. But this, this widow, um, she has debt, whether that is only on her home or if it's a more significant amount, it is something that she has no means to be able to pay off. Um, and the person that she owes that money to has come knocking on her door and he's demanding it. And in this day and age that we're reading about, they're not just talking about losing their home or having whatever assets she has physically liquidated to sell off to compensate the owner of that debt. He wants to take her children. Um, and I can't, I can't imagine being in that situation that would be to not have to not have a means to provide for your kids would be stressful enough in this day and age, right? Where it might be more likely that we might be able to find some resources um, or some form of assistance if we absolutely hit that that base level. But she she has no help like that. And the last remnants of her husband that she's lost are now at risk because her children are going to be taken and they're going to be sold into slavery because of this debt that she cannot pay. Um, and I think the smartest thing that she did in that situation was that she went to Elisha. Um, so this is an excellent example. I know that, um, Sabrina and I have talked about how important it is to be plugged into a local church in previous episodes. I just want to stress this again. Um, my husband and I have seen firsthand, both for ourselves and for others who have been in a position to be struggling, how important it is to be plugged into a local church. And not that you should do that for the sake of having support, um, but when you get into a situation where you feel like you're going to drown and there's no way out. When you are plugged into a good local church, there is always a hand there to help pull you back up, right? If you are um, in fellowship with a community, when you are in church membership of a healthy, theologically sound church, you are going to have that help, right? Um, 
So she went to Elisha and she explained the situation. She was honest and upfront. And after he gave her advice, this is the most, the second smart thing that she did. And this is really important, right? Not that what he said necessarily made sense, but as soon as he told her to do it, she didn't question it. She just went and she did it. Now, um, this miracle of being able to fill multiple vessels with oil, um, <laughs> this, this is a big deal, right? Like, it seems in theory, okay, she filled up some containers with oil that was of value and sold it. But it wasn't just that. She had one vessel or receptacle or container of this oil in her home. She filled up multiples, right? Um, and this reminds me of the miracle in the New Testament where Jesus feeds his people. The people have gathered around him to listen, right? Um, now, I think one of the main differences that I notice right off with these two different situations is that um, in the one, you know, Jesus in the New Testament, he ends up creating excess, right? There ends up being more than enough to feed everyone. In this situation, which I think is really important to remember, um, God gives her enough. What does it say? It gives her enough to sell the oil, which was enough to pay off her debt, and have some left over to live afterward. Um, and when the receptacles or vessels, whatever you'd like to call them, were all filled with the oil, the miracle stopped, right? There wasn't a fountain of excess oil coming out of her original container. God provided enough to meet her needs in that moment, right? And this is where I think it's really important um, to make sure that we are trusting and relying on God because he gives us the grace for the moment, right? He provides the resources for the moment that we need. Um, I know that it's really popular, especially in American society, um, to, <laughs> to pay attention to um, or give, give credence to this heretical um, prosperity gospel, right? Which I know has also been mentioned here before, but I think it is so important to remember that while God does say that he will provide for us, he's going to provide for us what he knows that we need, um, both for his glory and for our personal growth. Um, and that's, you know, spiritual, spiritual growth. And it's important for us to know that we rely on the Lord. Um, so it, in these situations, while we as imperfect people would be like, Lord, why can't we just magically win the lottery without even having to buy a lottery ticket? And then all of our worries would be over. Um, <laughs> money doesn't fix everything, right? Getting everything handed to us in one go does not fix everything. Um, so I think that that's a really interesting thing to focus on here is that this miracle is supplied to give her what she needed in that moment. She gets her debts paid off. She knows that she and her children are going to be able to eat. They're going to be able to survive afterward. 
Um, but it does not make her rich. It does not give her an overabundance beyond what she needs. God provides what she needs. Um, so some of the application questions that we are looking at here, you know, again, Melissa, Melissa's really been nailing the questions in this book, especially in the past couple of chapters, I think. Um, but the first one, uh, that I, I'd kind of like to focus on because I know I'm going to be speaking to myself as much as anybody else is who slash what do you go to when you are at the proverbial end of the rope concerning children? What is your reaction to them when you reach this point? Normally this is the part where I feel especially like I miss Sabrina's presence because I love getting her feedback to see how our different households, our different personalities, um, end up answering these questions, right? Because everybody is different. So what my answer is may not be what her answer is or yours and so on and so forth. Um, but for me, uh, you know, my husband and I are really blessed. We have a strong support system in our family um, as well as in our church family. And so when I reach that breaking point with my kids, I call one of my parents <laughs> and I say one of my parents because, you know, I am very close with my own mom and dad, but I'm also very close with my mother and father-in-law. And so honestly, I only really use the in-laws when I'm talking to people who don't know us well so that it's easier for them to keep track of who I'm talking about. But in our house, when Luke and I are just talking, we just say mom and dad just across the board. Um, and I mean, his parents have experience of raising 11 absolutely incredible, amazing children. I don't know how they did it because I'm pretty sure I would be bald by pulling my hair out, but I'm a much more high-strung person um, than they are, which they've been a wonderful influence on me since we've met. And, um, you know, everybody's everybody's styles are different. So, um, my, my most recent experience in dealing with this single parenting lifestyle was when my husband was away for training. Um, he started out in January of 21. Um, and you know, we were, we were in a cold area and our only source of heat was an outdoor wood burning furnace. And I was seven or eight months pregnant with our youngest. Um, and it was snowy and slushy and slippery and awful. And, um, praise the Lord, my brothers, his brothers, my in-laws, my brothers, um, and sisters were willing to come over and help me keep that fire going to keep us warm because I got to a point where I was slipping on the ice and you know how loosey goosey hips get when you're that far along expecting your third child and it just was not possible. Um, my husband ended up have, suffering from an injury during his training and got um, what they call medically recycled. Um, so he was sent home to be able to recover before going back to complete that training later on, which ended up working out for us because he was able to be there for the birth of our third child. Um, <clears throat> but then when we got to about the three-month-old mark, um, 
he was gone again. So I was alone with three kiddos, one of which was very, very young. Um, and having to handle a lot of stuff. Um, and there was one particular day where the kids were just, they were too much. And honestly, I, I can't remember if it was the first time he was gone while I was still pregnant or if it was the second time he was gone. And so I had the little one on the outside already. Um, but I remember I called my, I called my mother-in-law, um, cause we were living across the street from them at the time. This is before we moved. And I, I'm not even quite sure if to this day she'd be able to tell you what my exact words were, because I'm pretty sure I was, I was crying too hard to be coherent, but she got the message of, I need help with the kids. Cause I'm just at the end of my rope and God bless that woman. She came she didn't ask any questions. She didn't make me feel like a failure in any way. She came and she gave me a hug and she went upstairs and she gave my kids a talking to because I was just too, too overwhelmed and frustrated and struggling to be able to do that for them well in that moment. Um, so that's, that's been my experience, you know, um, there are a lot of things that we have to do on our own. For me, it has been having to take care of the kids, having to make a lot of decisions. We all know what those those decisions can look like. Sometimes it's a decision on um, medical care that you know isn't necessarily an emergency that your spouse would be able to get off of work for, um, but does need to be made in a quick fashion so that you're not actually able to get a hold of them before you make that decision. Um, one that we know of firsthand is purchasing a house, which is an incredibly huge, huge decision to have to make. Uh, for us, my husband being the sole main breadwinner in our household, it, it made me feel even more concerned. Um, not because we've ever had any issues in trusting each other with those decisions. My, my husband is absolutely wonderful. And, um, I know that he trusts me implicitly and I trust him. Uh, and we've, we've always had our finances combined since we got married. It's never been any kind of a concern. Anything that anybody earns is both of ours because we're a team and that's that no questions. But, you know, sneaky little things try to get into your head when you're having to deal with big, big things. And I, I felt nervous about the idea that I was spending, quote unquote, his hard earned money on something that he wasn't getting that much, if any, say in. Um, he was he was amazing. He didn't doubt my capability in making that decision even once, even though I'm pretty sure I did every single second of every day. Um, you know, and that's not true. I, I used our family's finances to select a home that was good for our family. And, you know, I prayed a lot about it and we had family that were not too far away that met me, <laughs> met me down in this new area for house hunting so that I wasn't completely by myself. Um, 
So I guess my biggest thing is, you know, establish, making sure that you have strong established trust with your spouse that can, that can lessen the burden of the single parent effect, I think, because when you feel like you're second guessing your capabilities, you know, they've entrusted everything that matters most in the world to you, right? When my husband's gone, he's entrusted everything in the world that matters most to him, to me. I take care of our home. I take care of our children. Um, and that's, that's a lot of trust. And he has, he has faith in the fact that I will do my utmost to, to take care of those things. And when it's really hard and exhausting to be making all of those decisions when they're not necessarily around to help with them, I think that we can take some comfort in the fact that they trust our judgment and as someone who is a serial second guesser of herself in decision making, that's been very reassuring for me, right? Um, God is good. Praying about any decision that you make is always a good option. And I think the other really big thing is that while we, while we do have to handle things on our own sometimes, we really need to not be afraid to ask for help. Um, I, I know that it can feel embarrassing to ask for help. Like that situation with having my mom come down, my husband's mom. Um, I'm so glad that I did. My relationship with my children is better today because I made that decision to ask for help. I like to think that my relationship with her was improved because she knew that I trusted her enough to ask her for help. Um, it's not the first time that I've, that I've had to approach family when I was feeling overwhelmed and I really, it's not something to be ashamed of. Um, but I know that not everybody has family that they can approach in that way. So I'm going to harp on something and I want you to humor me just for a minute. You know, finding a church family that you can do life with if you don't already have one needs to be the highest priority um, as something to accomplish as a family. Uh, my, my husband and I recently just had to go through finding a new church family and it was something because we had such an amazing situation before our move for his work that was really weighing on us both very heavily um, to be able to ensure that our transition was as smooth as possible to end up somewhere that, you know, we felt that we could get plugged in and um, be able to be of value to that church congregation, to have something that we could contribute um, and know that we would also be in a, in a place that was safe to be able to grow spiritually. So these are just some things that we did. Um, and I did under my husband's guidance because he was 
training and didn't necessarily have the same amount of time in the evenings to do the research. Um, so I did a lot of the research and I sent him my findings and he finalized everything because that's how we function together. I know everybody, everybody's relationships are a little bit different and who is better at certain things than others. Um, but we decided that the biggest thing that wasn't a hundred percent perfect about our old church situation was just how far away it was from our home, which really was not super far. Um, but it did make it a little bit harder when there were special events or a little bit more tiring or driving 30 minutes or a little over, depending on traffic one way. Um, if there was a big event or conference or something happening at our church, and we ended up doing that every day for a week rather than just a couple of times a week. It was a significant time commitment. So one of the first things that we did was set a radius. That was our preference. Um, we went through and found all of the churches that we thought could potentially be eligible um, for visits. Then we went about and actually went on their websites. So churches, <laughs> if you don't have this information on your websites, listen up because people are actually looking for it and paying attention to it. Um, we went through and found, uh, the church's like belief statement. Um, we looked at the descriptions on what was shared about the pastors. Uh, it was important to us that, you know, the, the church expressed a hundred percent sound theology. So we had to look at all of that. Um, doctrine, statement of faith, all of that was on the websites. Um, and so then I made a list based on that information um, and put it in order of which churches were closest to our home. And so once we had moved in, um, we just started visiting. Now, we only made it to the second church on that list before we ended up knowing that we were going to settle down there. Uh, but it was, it was amazing how God worked that out. Um, and when you're, when you're looking with intentionality, finding a good church home while stressful does not have to be, um, insurmountable. Uh, now an old pastor of ours who has since passed away, set an absolutely wonderful example of of healthy church leadership and spoke about it a lot, which set us up for success, um, both in our old church after he had passed on um, and in our hunt for a new church, knowing what was healthy, what wasn't, what we were looking for. Um, I think I might actually see if I can share some of his sermons on that topic Um on some of my social media for the podcast at some point, because it's, it's absolute gold. It really is. Um, but aside from that, so yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on that. If you have any questions because you are not plugged into a church family, please reach, reach out to me. If you have questions about that hunt or if I, anything, 
anything because I know that that's it's a stressful time to be in that time of transition trying to find the right the right church home for your family um and if you need help and don't have anybody else to talk to about that I'd be happy to answer any questions to the best of my ability and try to assist you with that um so yeah I am I'm thinking about sharing some some sermons on social media. If you guys have any feedback about that, let me know as well. Uh, that's that's about it for what I have in here. Um, you know, the single parent lifestyle is hard. Looking through the window or being in it day to day because you have lost your spouse. Um, don't don't be afraid to ask for help. And build relationships with people who are solid enough that you know when you do eventually need to ask for help that they're going to be safe people to, to ask. Um, so the memory verse for this chapter for this week is Psalms 23. Um, I'm going to pull it up here, see if I can read it for you real quick. Um, it's the Lord is my shepherd chapter, um, which is familiar. Uh, I think I had it memorized at one point in time, but as I may or may not have disclosed previously, my brain seems to memorize best to song and I don't know a song for this one. So unfortunately, if I had it all down previously, I think some of it's starting to slip through the cracks now. But memory verse for this week is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And then the song for encouragement um, is God, I Look to You by Francesca Battistelli, which that is a name that I recognized from my teenage years. She was pretty popular then, especially. Um, I'm probably making myself sound old. I feel old. I just turned 30 this month. It is what it is, right? So um, that's where we're at for this. Uh, next week, we hit chapter 10 um, on resentment. And guys, that's the last chapter. There are appendices that I would definitely recommend you guys look through. Um, there's definitely some interesting and valuable information in them, but our plan was to just go through the chapters of this book. So next week we'll have chapter 10, which is resentment. Sabrina is um, planning on already working on that study a little bit to get a jump on it for me. So I'm sure she's going to have some really awesome insight for us next week. And that'll probably be her last episode um, in regards to this the week after that is going to be the big interview with the author of this book. So um, 
Melissa Humes is going to be coming on. I'm going to be interviewing her. Uh, and that episode is going to go live on September 3rd. So you are listening to this episode published on the 20th of August. Our final chapter on resentment will be published on August 27th. And then the interview with the author Melissa Humes will be posted September 3rd. If you have any questions that you want me to ask her, please, please send them in. I'd love to get every single one of them. The email address is thesheepdogwife at yahoo.com. I try to check that at least once a week, if not more often at this point. Um, Send in your questions. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend.